uh, uh, to the book of Jude and tonight it is but a brief introduction uh, to this book the author of the book Jude or Judas and uh, as far as I could find out there are eight men mentioned by that name in the New Testament either Jude, Judas or shortened uh, to Jude in uh, Matthew 1 there is mentioned the son of Jacob in Luke 3 an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ and also the brother of James the half brother of Jesus Matthew 10 and then there is one of the uh, who was called to be a disciple sorry that was in, that's in Matthew 10 then there is Judas Iscariot six there is the Galilean who stirred up rebellion against the Romans that's in Acts chapter 5 and then there is a prophet named Barnabas in Acts chapter 15 who was also called Judah and eight there was a Jew whose house Paul lodged in and that's recorded in Acts 11 Jude is the shortest of the general epistles called a general epistle because it is written to all Christians everywhere not to any particular church but written to all Christians even for us today it was written in about AD 65 uh, the writer of this letter Jude but we may ask the question which Jude some scholars think it was Jude the Apostle the disciple of Jesus Christ but most scholars think it was Jude the half brother of our Lord Jesus Christ we may not be sure which man wrote the letter but we do know it was under the guidance of the Holy Spirit the letter was from God to his people written by one of his servants the purpose of the letter was to warn people sorry, to, was to warn the people of God of the danger of false teachers who had come into the church even in those early days men who were twisting the truths of God's word to satisfy their own desires their own ideas as one writer has put it they were preaching another Jesus verse 4 they were turning God's grace into a freedom to do whatever they liked they denied the lordship of God and the saving work of Christ denied those things saying they were not really important they were indeed preaching another gospel I remember hearing a preacher many years ago put it like this of people who add to the word of God he said there is of course wonderful things in the Bible I see put there by you and put there by me and that is true men are still adding or taking away from the word of God the second thing is we see this letter was to encourage the people of God to stand firm on the word of God to stand firm on the truths that they had been taught verse 3 he said I exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints once delivered 
means it is sufficient, nothing to add to it. It cannot be improved upon. One writer put it like this, we sometimes read books and it says, once upon a time. It's nothing like that in God's word. For once and for all time. For once and for all time. Jude is saying, we have an enemy to fight. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. We used to sing, with all thy might, Christ is thy strength and Christ thy right. The third thing in the letter is the number of triplets uh, Jude uses. Jude likes to put, th- to, sorry, put things together in threes. The fourth thing is it is a very solemn letter. It gives a history of apostasy, renouncing former beliefs, turning away from God's. And it is also about God's judgment on false uh, teachers. The writer of this short epistle, and it is short, it's only 25 verses, declares himself to be Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Or, as it is put in the old manuscripts, he is a bond slave. One who is at the disposal of his master. The master says come and he comes. The master says go and he goes. He is the property of his master. The word here implies complete submission to his master whose property he is. When I went to work, and that is some time ago now, I've almost forgotten what work means, when I went to work I was that man's servant for the X number of hours I was in his employment. I was expected to do what he requested. When I went home I was free from that man's orders. But for a slave it is not so. A slave is never free. Never free. And this is what Jude is saying. He was Christ's bond slave. He was never to be free. Jesus, sorry, Jude saw himself completely under the control of Jesus Christ, his Saviour and his friend. He was in full commitment to Christ. Jude is simply saying, (coughs) I belong to Jesus. He brought me out of the slave market of sin. I am his. He paid the price in full for my release. Now I belong to him. I am his. And I am to do whatever he pleases with me. He is Lord. And we sing that so often, don't we? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. Jude was saying this. He is my Lord. But if Jesus Christ is our Lord then we must be submissive uh, to his decrees, his commands, his word. We do not any longer have the right to please ourselves. Christ is our Lord, he is our master. This is true of every believer. We belong to Jesus. He made us, he has brought us back from Satan 
who had stolen us. We read in 1 Peter 1.18 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish. That's how you were brought back. That was the price Christ paid. He gave his everything. He gave his life for you and for me. We sometimes think he emptied himself of all but love. Whether that is theologically quite correct, I don't know. But it gives the impression that he gave everything to bring you and me into a relationship with his Father. In John 19.30 we read, Jesus cried from the cross, It is finished. The word finished also means paid in full. He paid in full for our release. There is nothing to pay. He paid with his lifeblood. There is nothing to do. He completed it upon the cross. He said it is finished. There is nothing to fear because on the cross he made peace with God his Father for sinners such as you and I. In 1 Corinthians 6.20 we read, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. The price as we have just mentioned, is the life of Jesus Christ. We are to give glory to God in the way we live, in the way we act, in the attitudes to other men and women. The story is told of a, a Christian businessman, or so-called Christian businessman. He was baptised one Sunday some weeks later he was doing a business transaction with a non-churchman a non-Christian if you like and this Christian businessman was trying to put a fast one over the non-believer the non-believer looked at him and said it was some dirty water that you were baptised in last weekend it was some dirty water see that is not the way we are expected to live we are, to, we are expected to honour God in our every action the believer is called to honour God with his whole life for we are God's property we are his by double right by creation and by redemption one writer put it like this redemption in Christ his by reason of creation his he paid the price for me his through the life giving spirit his because I want to be our whole body sorry our whole being belongs to God the inner man and the outer man the physical, the body the part of us that people can see the writer in Corinthians was saying we must glorify God with our whole body what did the psalmist say we need clean hands before we can approach God 
clean hands, that our actions are honouring God. But our bodies will not honour God unless the inner man, our heart, is right with God. Our heart must be in tune with God. For what is inside affects what comes on the outside. It affects our thinking, our reasoning comes from the inside. And what we think is like seeds being sown which will grow and affect the outer man, bringing forth actions, maybe good actions or maybe bad, according to what we think, according to what we reason inside. Our hearts, our spirits need to be under God's control. I believe and I know it can be the weakest point of our, of our beings inside. I know this is where I have my hardest battles with Satan. It's in my heart. For he is all the while attacking. He is trying to regain that which he has lost to Jesus Christ. And at times he gains the upper hand. At times he causes me to stumble. At times he causes me to fall. And when this happens, then it affects my words. It affects my actions. It affects my attitude to my fellow men. I am not honouring God in the way he expects of me because I have yielded to some, tem some temptation in my heart which then affects my whole physical body. The psalmist said in Psalm 51.10 Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew within me a right spirit. We need to be controlled by God. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We also read in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. If my heart is glorifying God in the things, in my thinking and my reasoning, then my body, the outer man, will glorify God in its actions, its attitude and its speech. We sometimes sing, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me and it will only be seen when my heart is right with God Jude is writing to the Lord's people to encourage them and to warn them about false teachers the first of Jude's triplets is to encourage to those called by God God's people God calls men and women into fellowship with himself. There are many references in God's word to God calling men and women. Matthew 11:28, Jesus said, Come unto me all you that are labour and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Here in these verses is an invitation. Come. And there is a promise. 
and I will give you rest the promise of the eternal God of glory God says come the word of God is preached the gospel goes out and then there is an inner conviction of the truth brought by the Holy Spirit the grace of God enables the individual to answer the call and then that individual can come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal saviour and friend we have heard tonight of how Sue came into that wonderful relationship with God there must be a personal response to God's invitation to come to him we respond to God's call by repenting of sin by personally putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ then we are saved by grace and saved by grace alone I can remember the first time I heard the gospel can you remember the first time you heard the gospel when God came to you and gave to you an invitation to come how many times did you hear how many times did you turn down God's uh, invitation for me it was many times I heard the voice of God say come repent come unto me but I wanted to go my own way and do my own thing God spoke eventually with great power from his word he brought me under the conviction of his Holy Spirit he brought me to this wonderful book the Bible and pointed me by his spirit to that verses in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 the Lord said my spirit will not always strive with man and added to that he brought the words of that old hymn to my mind soon thy heart be cold and silent and thy saviour's pleadings cease it was Easter in a little chapel in the fens God rolled away the stone from the doorway of my heart and broke in that night tears of repentance flowed but also tears of joy when I knew that I had been forgiven I had been born again I had been brought into the family of God I was a child of the king I was saved from Satan and sin saved for time and eternity have you heard the call what have you done with the invitation that God has given God says in the word come and I will give you rest come every soul by sin oppressed 
There's mercy with the Lord and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. For Jesus shed his precious blood, rich blessings to bestow. Plunge now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. What's your answer? Once again you've heard the gospel message from the Saviour. You've heard, you've been given the invitation. What will your answer be? Called and Jude reminds us, loved by God. God loved us when there was nothing good to be seen in us. God loved us when there was nothing good to be said about us. God's love is perfectly demonstrated at Calvary's cross. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. We read in John 3.16 God, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. 1 John 4.10 Here in his love not that we loved God but that he loved us, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation, atoning sacrifice. God's wrath is put away by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Another writer put propitiation means the removal of the wrath by the offering of a gift. God's wrath was turned away by the gift of his son the Lord Jesus Christ and he gave his life and then Jude goes on for the third thing kept by Jesus Christ he calls us he loves us and he keeps us the believer is safe in Christ when you've committed your heart your whole life to Jesus Christ then you are safe as God's people we are safe in his love protected by his mighty power the Bible is full of promises given by God concerning the safety of his people he is our defence when we are under attack he is our fortress that we can hide in he is our refuge he is a place that we can go for help he is our shield to protect us in the fight and we have those wonderful words in Deuteronomy 33:27. Underneath are the everlasting arms of the eternal God. Safe. The old hymn says, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me has been made known, nor why unworthy as I am he claimed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We are called, we are loved, and we are kept. And then he just says, Mercy unto you, peace and love be multiplied.